When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Bears fans? Sports betting season is in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the code CHICAGO125. BetUS is known as America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to Packers Week. This is our Week 6 preview show as we're all set to break down this pivotal matchup that our Bears have in store uh, this weekend as Aaron Rodgers and that 4-1 Green Bay Packers team are headed to town for an NFC North clash, and the winner will be atop of the division. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I'm super excited that you're joining us for this week's preview. I'm sitting alongside my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. Guys, by the way, great job meeting the opponent with yesterday's interview really well done but is since it's now is Packers week I just wanted to know what does Packers week mean to you and Mason I want to hand it over to you uh, because in my notes and I'm the only one that knew this question was coming up I just had pain it's been a lot of pain over the past (laughs) uh, decade or so but what does it mean to you man I mean that's really what it is you know when you look at 
what LaFleur's record is in the division at 12 and 1. I believe Nagy is 1 and 5 against the Packers with this, you know, with him at the helm. And it, it's just, it hasn't been good. And the thing that's really interesting, though, is besides a couple of games, they have actually been relatively close or closer than you'd expect considering how lopsided the overall record is. But when you're sitting at that 1 and 5 record, it is hard to get super excited. And hard to say, well, for a fact, we're going to win this game or at least make it competitive. So it's it's a roller coaster of emotions because you're like, this is exciting. We have a chance to do something in the division. And then usually the game happens and you say, well, that sucked. Yeah, uh, it's been tough sledding uh, for as long as I can remember. I think a lot of Bears fans as well. Uh, but Nick, I know you and I, we've been on the show now. You know, this is our seventh season covering the team. Uh, I think people know how we feel about Packers Week and the Packers in general and this rivalry. Um, but as it stands 2021, Justin Fields taking over. Does it have any different sense right now? It could. It very well could. I think this rivalry could mean could actually become a rivalry. That's what I said yesterday in, you know, meet the opponent episode. Like this Bears Packers, you know, matchup every, you know, twice every year really hasn't felt like a rivalry in terms of the win and loss record because it's it's very it's Packers favored in in a very heavy way. So maybe if Justin Fields is the quarterback that we think he can be, then maybe that can change, especially if Aaron Rodgers is no longer a part of this rivalry moving forward. But I think the one word I always think of when it is Bears-Packers, it's like reality. Here's a reality check of where the Packers are usually at, what they're usually going to do in a season, and where the Bears ultimately end up. So that's what I think of it. I think, you know, in past years, I was always really excited because it's Bears-Packers. Like, this is still, even today, it is exciting, but we all know to have temper expectations a little bit because, again, it is pretty one-sided at this point. At this point, and I'm hopeful things can and will change uh, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, I saw the shadow bear here in the chat said Packers week. It's hell, Uh, which I think is another very fitting description of what this usually means to us. Uh, But hopefully that does change. Uh, Anything else that either of you wanted to preface the show with before we kind of get into the nitty gritty and break down both sides of the ball and get into our game preview? Nope. (laughs) I have a bet going with my student at my PT clinic of riding on this since he's a Packers fan. So hopefully it turns out well. That's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and jump right on in and let's take a look at this Bears offense. And I, I know we all came away uh, very impressed with what this unit was able to accomplish last week in Las Vegas, uh, led by the rushing game from both backs, Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert. Uh, the offense was able to kind of will its way uh, down the field. We'll need to talk about Herbert going on the COVID list and what that means for this Bears offense as well. Uh, that's a late addition to my notes. So we need to, uh, I did say Herbert. I, I met Williams. Thank you for doing the little flip-flop with your fingers, guys. Uh, when I'm looking at one name, thinking of another, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But it is <laughs> Damian Williams who is on the COVID list. And so Khalil Herbert, Mason's guy, is the one leading uh, the charge. Uh, so actually, since I totally botched it, let's just stop there and talk about it because <laughs> that's going to make me feel a little bit better. Uh, Nick, when this news broke, uh, what, where's your mind at? Do you think Herbert can carry the load? I, I know you responded to me with a Ryan Nall gif, which really, uh, I don't know, upset me a, a little bit because we all know he's not the answer at the position as well. But I know you're just kind of poking. Um, but what's your thoughts about this loss? Because after such a big week by both backs, losing yet another running back for two straight weeks, that has to hurt. It's just another adjustment that, you know, Bill Lazor has to put into this offensive game plan now 
thinking that Damian Williams isn't going to be a part of, of the game, Brad Biggs tweeted one uh, one player was placed on reserve COVID list. Obviously, that's Damian Williams. He was a result of a positive test. So I don't know if that necessarily means he, he has COVID or like how that even works. Could it be a false spot? I have no nothing has been set up to this point, but it's just another thing that they have to think about offensively. Like you had something really good going against the Raiders with, you know, 34 rushing attempts between Williams and Herbert and they complemented each other. But now you're, you're putting a lot on a rookie and he showed what he was capable of against the Raiders, but he's still a rookie. They're, they're, maybe expect mistakes in terms of blitz pickups and things like that, that you see, you know, occasionally from, from rookie running backs and even veteran ones as well. So it's just another thing to think about. And when you're going up against the Packers, of course, you'd rather have all the weapons and that you can utilize in your arsenal. But now they're down another running back. So it just makes things a little bit more difficult. It, it does. And this offense has a fair share of challenges. I, I know losing Jermaine Effetti is another one over at right tackle. Although Latavius, jeez, guys, I'm, I'm just going to throw out all the wrong names right now. Elijah Wilkinson stepping in, played very well uh, last week when he did insert the game. But Mason, over to you for Khalil Herbert. Can you just make us feel all okay? Like this kid can carry the load. He can put the weight on his shoulders. I mean, we saw last week, he only needs one leg and he can get those additional yards. I feel confident and I, I don't want you to make sure you can kind of solidify that confidence in me well first of all I really need to get like a train conductor hat when I talk about Herbert because I am the conductor of the Herbert hype train we all know this and I think we did see that last week you know they weaned him in he didn't get a lot of carries right away but when he did come in they were pretty explosive and I said that in the, you know the post game I said that leading up to it I think if he had had a couple of those carries that Damian Williams had, that they would have gone longer if not for touchdowns. He just has that extra burst. He is fast, right? And the way I'm looking at it, it's kind of the the Herbert Sherbert. Now, you don't really think about Sherbert as something you really want, but when you have it, you're like, oh, that's better than I thought it was going to be. And I think that's what this game is going to ultimately be. I think we're worried about it, but I think at the end of the game, we're going to end up saying, you know what? This was overall pretty good. And the other thing to consider, not just with Herbert, but what is that combination going to be, right? You have Artavius Pierce on the practice squad. Will he get potentially elevated? Um, Brian Nall, is he going to challenge his inner, his inner coon as you know, we're in Packers week and maybe surprise people with, with what he can do? And is there some creativity? Will you have Nall now be more of a lead blocker to open up space for a Herbert? Uh, will you have more two back sets in that perspective? So I think that creativity from Bill Lazor is going to be really important here. And at the end of the day, we haven't seen anything from Herbert to make it seem like this. he can't do this. You know, so it's going to be a, an interesting week for sure. It, it sure is. And hopefully, uh, I know there's still a little bit of time. Maybe he gets some of those negative tests back. He's able to come and actually play this game Williams is. And we're kind of just talking about this for no reason at all. So let's uh, we'll keep this in our back pocket and maybe we can utilize it throughout this show. But uh, going back to uh, the main talking point that I wanted us to kind of start this offensive discussion with, uh, we talked about the Bears were able to establish a run last week with those two backs. Justin Fields displayed growth yet again, showing up in big moments, making the throws when we needed him to uh, the most. Uh, so let's talk about some of the positives uh, that we want to see this offense build on from last week uh, over to this week, uh, whether it's Fields becoming more comfortable, uh, getting that ground game going again. Uh, for me personally, uh, it is that run first mentality. I would love to see that carry over uh, the physicality uh, that this entire offense was able to kind of embody uh, last week in this big rivalry game. I want to see James Daniels throw guys. 
twice uh, again suplex him like bring it on like that was awesome I think I've watched that highlight over 100 times throughout this week uh, anytime I have a few minutes at work I find myself watching that but I think if the Bears can carry over uh, that run first mentality which will help Justin uh, but also that physicality overall and kind of wear down this Packers defense and this black and blue divisional matchup that to me is something I do want to see carried over how about you Nick I think it is that physicality because it wasn't just James Daniels. And I actually ran into Mark Wiseman, uh, old Iowa running back. And he, he talked to James Daniels earlier that day. He's like, why did, why did that linebacker try to jump at you like that? And he told him that earlier in the game, James Daniels cut the linebacker. So he was expecting the same thing to happen. So he jumped and James Daniels just slammed him onto the ground. So that was kind of the little backstory behind why that happened. But you also saw Jason Peters throw some big blocks in there. You saw Elijah Wilkinson, um, you know, uh, just throwing some big blocks later in the game when he took over for Jermaine Fetty. So it was a physical presence that this entire unit kind of carried with them. And that's what you want to see against the Packers because I feel like in those kind of games recently, that's usually not the case. Yes, there's been some good rushing days. Like even David Montgomery at Lambeau Field last year, you know, had a good game, had a really big long run, but – Throughout the course of a game, I feel like the physicality wears off because, one, the Bears are usually down. They abandon the run game. But if you can commit to it, stay with that rushing tech, despite not having David Montgomery, despite possibly not having Damian Williams, man, I think that that bodes well for this offense to, to really stay in the game. And obviously the defense has to play a factor in that too. But the other thing is this Packers defense really doesn't give up big plays. And Bill Lazor really talked about that The creating big plays and the bears didn't have many of them in that Raiders game. Can we get that carryover from the Detroit lions game where we were saying like, Hey, that's a really bad defense. It didn't carry over to the Raiders. Can, can you still get, get it even if it's one or two opportunities a game? That's what I would like to see carry over against the green Bay Packers on Sunday. You missed one block that I want to make sure if people didn't see it, go find it. Uh, and that's Jimmy Graham. Uh, that was another yes. guy and who and someone that isn't known for his blocking. Uh, but the fact that he was able to knock one of his guys to the ground, found someone else and then was able to kind of propel uh, or who's that running at the time? Was that Herbert? I don't want to throw another wrong name out here. <laughs> I can't I can't recall. It's fine. Who it, it's was, one of our backs. Running it, was it was Herbert. It was for sure. Herbert. That's, thank you. I, I, I didn't want to have strike three already or else it would have been a long show uh, without me. Uh, and I know you guys want me here to kind of, you know, carry the ship uh, a little bit, steer it, uh, this conversation uh, as I do. Uh, but, yeah, that was another tremendous block. And I think physicality, if that can become the identity of this offense, a physical offense, uh, it feels like a very Chicago Bears-esque identity for this unit. How about you, Mason? What positives or a big positive that you want to see carry over from last week over to this week in this game? Definitely sticking to the run game, like you guys kind of alluded to, uh, because when Nagy was the play caller, it seemed like they'd get away from it when they were down, not just this year, but going into last year. I think Laser's going to have a more measured approach and is still going to chip away with some of those runs. You know, while the Packers do only allow 102.2 rushing yards per game right now, which is relatively low compared to like the Raiders who allowed 134.4, uh, when you look at the teams that they've played against, it's not exactly teams that really stick to the run. Or it didn't seem like it in that way. You know, the Lions, they, we know they use their backs more as pass catchers the 49ers were decimated by injuries the Steelers they're they're not using Najee Harris correctly that whole team is really funky right there and then the Bengals were without a healthy Joe Mixon so I think if you stick to the run you're going to be able to chip away and that's going to open up the rollouts which we saw Justin was able to actually 
after those first couple hits, be smart about where how he got out of the way, and that allowed for him to attack downfield a little bit more than he did early in the game. So if we can, you know, keep moving that pocket, use those RPOs appropriately, that's where you can maybe have more Horstead hype going on, and he can get on the scoreboard again. That's where you can hit a Darnell Mooney on some of those routes where he is able to attack downfield, and that's where all of a sudden you can get big chunk plays. Really well said, Mason. Uh, one other positive as I kind of segue into our next point here uh, is that continued growth from Justin Fields. And something I saw a big improvement on was spreading the wealth uh, compared to what we saw a few weeks ago. Uh, over last week, uh, six different Bears did catch a pass last week. He wasn't as heavily reliant on a Darnell Mooney. And with the Packers and some of their injuries that they have in that secondary, spreading this ball around I think will be another big key. And that's just another area I want to see continued growth out of this offense. Uh, moving over to the Packers' defense, uh, they've been rather stingy, allowing the six fewest yards per game at 322. Uh, but even though they're stingy in yards allowed, they do actually give up a decent amount of points. Uh, 19th most points per game, 24.4 allowed. Uh, that's due to the fact that they have the worst red zone defense in the entire NFL. They're the only team that has allowed a touchdown every single time that their opponent has gotten inside the 20. Uh, so they've been the opposite of bend, don't break. I don't know what you would call it if it's, you know, bend a ton, but uh, don't bend a ton, but break when you do, uh, whatever that name would be. Uh, it's still a good unit that's going to present its own kind of share of challenges. Uh, but Nick, if you had to like determine uh, what would you say is an element of this Packers defense that gives you the most concern heading into this week? It's their, their, how they limit the big plays, you guys. Right now, looking at Green Bay's defense, they're ranked number four in terms of only allowing 5% of deep passing plays, explosive passing plays. And look, the Bears are still ranked dead last in that category in terms of creating those passing plays where you could stretch the field vertically and really try to, and why why that's so important with this Green Bay Packers defense is because you know on the other side of the ball for Green Bay, they can create those explosive passing plays. Doesn't matter how good the Bears defense has been, they will find a way with Aaron Rodgers. So if Green Bay's defense can limit again, like the Raiders even did to a certain extent, those bigger passes down the field, then what you're asking this Bears offense to do is still is commit to the run, which we want to see them do, but you also got to do it for longer drives which can ultimately lead to more penalties and just more opportunities for, for mess-ups, right? So I think the big thing that Green Bay does is they don't allow teams to get those big chunks. And if you're asking a Bears offense to sustain, you know, 16 play drives and in touchdowns like they did against the Raiders, that's that's a really good drive from the Bears last week. But can you do that consistently? Absolutely not. So you need to create those big chunks. But Green Bay's defense has been really good this season, not allowing them at least through the air. So you're worried about, you know, them limiting the big play. I'm concerned about the big plays that they do make, uh, and that's getting takeaways. They're tied for sixth in the NFL at the most takeaways in the league, which is by far the biggest threat that we've seen so far from a defense and its ability to create turnovers. Uh, they had two interceptions last week on Burrow, uh, and that was without Jair Alexander at cornerback and Kevin King, who I think had an interception but then ended up missing the remaining three quarters uh, of that game. Um, but their ability to get takeaways uh, is a big concern of mine heading in this week. How about you, Mason? Actually, that was going to be what mine was, Will, in terms of those <sighs> takeaways. Because to be, But to be honest, the rest of the defense doesn't scare me uh, it's it's weird to say that i think but when you again when you look at the games they've had they got embarrassed by the saints allowing 38 points they let the lions score 17 on them the 49ers put up 28 again decimated with injuries the steelers scored 17 and again they are a mess i don't know what is going on with that steelers team we'll talk about them when we play them and then the Bengals, who the bears 
yes, let come back in the game, but still the Bears were a better team than the Bengals that day with switching quarterbacks, right? And they allowed them to score 22. So the, the defense, it's really how long can the offense control the ball and put those explosive plays up for the Packers, and then defense just don't give up a ton, a ton, a ton of points. It's just what it seems like they're they got going on right now but they do have Jair Alexander out right Smith is gonna not play because of his back surgery you besides maybe the other Smith coming off the edge there isn't a player and Eric Stokes is playing well but there isn't a player that I'm terrified of but they do take the those takeaways so if you can limit that and Justin's been pretty good about that so far I think you have a real shot to make some noise here I, I think their pass rush it was on like my list of maybe something I would bring up because you're right it's not as formidable as it would be if Zadarius Smith was out here to be able to play yeah. right now uh, Preston's been playing well uh, Rashawn Gary off the other edge I think filled in admirably uh, they do combine for 34 total pressures uh, and 10 quarterback hits on a year uh, as a team they had eight QB hits last week against Burrow but I think we know even going back from our matchup it's easy to start racking up some of those quarterback hits on Burrow he's not as mobile uh, as a Justin Fields and with his knee he's still not that comfortable moving and evading uh, inside of the pocket so take that number uh, for what it's worth and even though the Bears will be challenged uh, I'm hopeful that there are ways that the Bears do still match up favorably this week Uh, we kind of hit on some of the ways this Packers defense you know I wouldn't say struggled but they I mean besides the red zone they struggle in the red zone but other than that they're they're fine they're there and they're a formidable foe but what ways do you believe this Bears offense uh, can take advantage and exploit this Packers defense uh, so Nick, where do you see that going? So I was watching. I was really curious to see how Eric Stokes was playing just in that Cincinnati game, and there were a couple of plays where Jamar Chase, who who's had a pretty darn good start to the season, right? There was so a lot of the times when the Bears love to run those hitch routes, and they still do it, you know, today more than they should. But there was one where Jamar Chase runs the route, is able to create a little separation, a little small hitch in the middle of the field, turn around. And I just envision, hey, Darnell Mooney can do that easily against Eric Stokes. And then there are times where it's one-on-one, where it's, again, Jamar Chase, a back shoulder fade. Hey, Allen Robinson, when he makes play, I know he can make that play. He hasn't done it really consistently up to this point. But I'm looking at Eric Stokes and seeing how the Bears can challenge him on -on one-on-one opportunities with those two receivers I just mentioned in Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. I think that can be an opportunity. For, for this Bears offense. And obviously, you guys, like, we need to see what this Bears rushing attack is going to look like just with Khalil Herbert. We saw we saw a good glimpse of what it could be. But now as a featured back, uh, most likely going into this game, you want to see if they can take advantage of a Packers defense that I think has, you know, like like you said, well, they've been, they've been there, right? It's like nothing too stellar. I think Devon, what is it, Devondre Campbell has been having a pretty good season for them, the linebacker. Um but I really like the, the potential of the matchups you can take against Eric Stokes and, you know, Kevin King as well. Like, he's been playing better, but, I like, we were talking in the, the Meet the Opponent episode, there's been, like, a bad perception of Kevin King amongst even Green Bay Packers fans. So, you know, you could, I think you could challenge these corners, though, and see what, what you could do with your outside wide receivers in Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. And Justin Fields, that's where he likes to throw to. It's more so going to be towards the sidelines. And if that's going to be what Bill Lazor wants to exploit in this matchup, I think that's a good opportunity to get some yards and potentially those explosive plays. Yeah, I think running the ball is an easy one, even if it's solely the Khalil Herbert show, train, whatever we're going to 
dub it as here uh, this week. I know the Packers, they allow the 11th fewest yards per game on the ground. It's just over 100, um, but they do rank 18th in terms of yards per carry allowed at 4.3. Uh, and last week when I was watching that Cincinnati game, they I know Mixon was hurt, uh, so he wasn't 100%, so they were able to kind of contain him well. Uh, but P. Ryan uh, from the Bengals was able to kind of pop a little bit. Averaged 5.4 yards per carry on 11 touches. Very similar style of back to a Khalil Herbert. Big physical runner. They had a hard time bringing him down. So if the Bears lean on Herbert a bit and we can get the same kind of production that push, I think the keys here, as you mentioned, you know, Campbell has been playing very well, uh, linebacker for the Packers, and we always know Kenny Clark. If you don't block him, there's nothing you can really do on offense. He's a good two-way defender up front here for the Packers. So those two guys, if we can block them and get away from them, I expect Herbert to be able to have a decent amount of production. And the Packers have allowed a touchdown to a running back in three straight games, which, again, probably a bigger issue with their red zone defense when you kind of look at that one. How about you, Mason? Is there a way that you can envision this Bears offense you know, taking advantage of this Packers defense come Sunday? If there's going to be, a, I guess you could say, get-right game for Allen Robinson in terms of being a true wide receiver one, I think it has to be here against a division rival, against a team whose secondary is banged up, right? Eric Stokes has been playing pretty well for a rookie, but he can only cover one person at a time unless you're scheming routes or overlapping each other, which the Bears sometimes do, which is odd. But he just has to be better because currently, he in the last game, he was the fifth, ranked fifth in terms of least wide receiver separation at 1.5 yards. Now, if you look at it, the one who's right below and ranked fourth was actually Jamar Chase at 1.3, yet he still produced. So it doesn't matter who's covering you. You still have to get open. You still have to make those plays because you need to make life easier for Justin. Because I do think Justin's going to be much more involved in this passing game. Uh, Gage, right, from our, from our Meet the Opponent episode, talked about how it seems that the Packers' defense kind of opens up like the Red Sea a little bit when with a mobile quarterback. So can you take advantage of that if you're Justin Fields? And then we also have seen that currently Justin's ranked the highest with a deep ball percentage at 15.3% ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Now he was all, he's throwing at most only 20 balls per game. So it's not exactly like that's a high percentage of throws, but he's putting them on the money when, when they're that, when he can't. So I really am going to put on Bill Lazor and Allen Robinson to get on the same page here, scheme him open so that you can get those deep shots. Cause if you can get those deep shots, like I said earlier, this offense is going to open up significantly better because now you can get in the red zone quicker and for whatever reason the Packers just falter in the red zone like you talked about Will. Yeah and I, on top of that too I mentioned the injuries in a secondary that you can take advantage of and uh, Nick I know you mentioned Kevin King he hasn't been practicing this week with the shoulder so there's a chance he's not out there uh, which would lead us to I think Isaac Edom uh, which Nick do you remember the saying? Get him, get him. Is that what it is, or something like that? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's been a long time, um, but I'm glad uh, I put that in my notes. It's like I, I know Nick will remember. It's been a couple of seasons, I believe. Um, but yeah, get him. Where did and he play that before that? Strategy. Where did he play before that? Where we even made that up? That's a great question. Was it, uh, I'll look like it up while we're Jacksonville or something. I I don't know why. That's I don't know. I'll look it up too. You look uh, it up for me. Uh, I'll try. I'll entrust you uh, with that duty here. Uh, and as you do that. Uh, It's time to kind of put it all together and make a game plan here for this Bears offense. I think we're all on board with uh, establishing the run. I think we've said that all now a couple of times. Uh, Protecting fields, uh, whether he's protecting himself, not taking some of those hits, or, you know, just getting some good protection uh, along those edges, uh, making sure Preston Smith doesn't wreck the game, and Kenny Clark in the interior, I think, are two big keys. Uh, And then another one for me is just play keep away if you are up, you know, 
those long sustaining drives. Nick, I, I'm with you. We need those explosive plays. But if we do get an early lead like we did against the Raiders, I would love to see some of those longer scoring drives mm-hmm. keep Aaron Rodgers uh, on the sideline uh, as much as we can. And then on top of running the football, I want to see them do it well once they get in the red zone. Uh, opening That opens up the playbook. That keeps things easy on Justin in that condensed area of the field. And Green Bay has really struggled in that regard. So uh, that's real simple for me right now. And one other thing I had in my notes, doesn't, doesn't even matter, but I had in short yardage, please give it to Khalil Herbert this week. Well, now they don't have any other options unless they give it to Ryan Nall, and then I'm still going to be upset because I don't know what Khalil Herbert needs to do to prove that he can give you a couple yards because the Bears currently rank 29th in the NFL with two or less yards to go to convert on third or fourth down. And I think we feel that, and that needs to change as well. But, Nick, I'll go over to you. What's your game plan look like? Uh, first to clarify, uh, Yidham played on the Giants last season, 2020, Denver. So I don't know why I said Jacksonville. Uh, but game plan also, just to maybe add on, I'll just add on to yours as well. What I also saw from Joe Burrow and like one of the plays where he was actually able to show that mobility and extend, extend the pocket a little bit and kind of maneuver when there was traffic, he scored a touchdown right before half where Joe Burrow kind of moved left, moved right, and waited for Jamar Chase to run across the field and darnell savage goes for the interception but misses it's like those big play opportunities and we know justin fields is capable of extending plays we haven't seen it very often because it hasn't been schemed but if that's on the design where it's a play action rollout and you're moving right or whatever it may be that's where i think you can give your opportunity for your playmakers to make those explosive plays downfield so obviously you're going to incorporate the run game you're going to incorporate having those long drives to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, like I said, it's just probably not sustainable throughout an entire game. But, of course, you want to have some of those drives. But if you can extend the plays outside the pocket, get away from I think right now, obviously, Preston Smith is playing very well. But Kenny Clark is a guy that I'm worried about, especially just given Sam Mustafer. And it's been a little up and down, but Kenny Clark's a guy that has hurt the Bears in the past. So we can extend the pocket, get away from him, and give those guys downfield an opportunity to make plays. Even get Marquise Goodwin really involved in using that speed downfield, that's how you can make a, a, a game plan that can hurt this Packers defense. But I'm just adding on to yours there, Will. Nice. Way to piggyback. I love it. That makes me feel good. And uh, I know you mentioned, hey, use some of that speed on offense. <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard. We have so much of it. Let's Where's the mere bird? Where's the mere bird? He's Does on he the field. He's on, And that's what blows my mind. You look at the snap counts, you see the mere bird, and you're like, wait when and how did he sneak on the field for that many snaps because i did not notice you bro uh so that needs you got he was so productive last year for new england it makes no sense that the bears can't find a role for him on this offense yet but it's a long season uh hopefully we can figure that one out here sooner rather than later mason uh where did nick and i go wrong or is there anything else you want to add in addition no, I think the only thing specifically to highlight, I know he didn't grade out super well if you go by PFF, and again, those scores are all up and down, but I like how Alex Bars was used as that extra lineman mm-hmm. and you know, trying to create more push. I liked how Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet were used in terms of blockers and then even sometimes leaking out. You know, you talked about Jimmy Graham's uh, block on that one uh, Herbert run. That was great. And so to continue doing that, but at the same time, Get, get those receivers on the field that have that speed. And now, since you're a little questionable, potentially, in terms of that run game, how can you extend the run game? Right? Can you use some wide receiver screens, some jet sweeps, things that really get 
the offense moving and the defense having to flow laterally. And I would like to see them use a little more eye candy. I don't think the Bears necessarily motion enough before the play. And I think that's tough because that's a great way to see, is it man, is it zone? That's a really good way to just have the defense have to move and shift because right, you have to shift, reestablish yourself. Sometimes your reads change on defense. And that's a way to just create an extra second or two that now Justin can operate in terms of those RPOs and things like that. Number 64 has reported as an eligible receiver. Uh, I think we heard that a ton uh, a couple weeks back that carried over. And again, that goes back to one of the very first things we said that we want to see carry over is that physicality. When you have that extra guy in the field, heck, does it eliminate a potential receiver for field? Sure. But it gives him a little, a fewer reads to process. And on top of that as well, extra blocking uh, for when we do want to establish a run. And heck, I can see a trick play for Alex Bars waiting in the wing somewhere after they kind of wall some of these defenses to sleep. But guys, well done. I think we did a pretty decent job bringing down uh, what this Bears offense is up against in some ways that they can succeed uh, against the Packers. And even though we all said keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, I think we all know too well that he doesn't need a lot of time in order to make his damage. So we'll talk about this Bears defense in just a moment. Um, But first, Nick, you have a message from one of our brand new partnerships that I'm very excited to share with our listeners. I know you've done it once, but this is the first time I'm on the show for it. So take it away, sir. Yes, I do. If you're like me, going to the gym is a crucial part of my schedule. It's a place to let loose and just decompress. And after a great workout, it's important to give your body the amino acids it needs to repair and rebuild proteins. And that's why I drink Owen. That's right, Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein company, and all of their products are plant-based, free of artificial ingredients, and are allergen-friendly. Plus, Owen uses high-quality and carefully selected ingredients to make all of its products easily digestible, like their dark chocolate protein shake that has 20 grams of protein, my personal favorite. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Get 20% off your first purchase with code TCA20 at liveowenowyn.com. That's 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. And remember to use the code TCA20. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. Only what you need. All right. Good job there, Nick. You're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Little Wit, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. We are previewing Packers Week, and it's time to talk about uh, this Chicago Bears defense. And speaking of only what you need, I feel like Aaron Rodgers retiring would fall into that category of things that I definitely need uh, in my life. Um, But I am also looking forward to going to this game, watching him play, and knowing it's probably the last time or hopefully the last time I get to see him play in person. You guys are looking at a trip to Lambeau. I'll be taking care of a newborn by then, so I'm probably going to have to opt out here this season. Um, But regardless, uh, let's take a look at this Packers offense. Uh, You'll see uh, that they had a slow start of the season, but the offense has really started to heat up. They averaged the 10th most yards over the last three weeks, almost 400 yards a game, and the 10th most points scored in that same span, 27.3. Also, an overtime game helps those stats, by the way. Just wanted to say that. And they've also been able to beat defenses both on the ground and through the air. Ninth best passing attack in the three weeks and the 10th most productive rushing game as well. Uh, So looking at this Packers offense as a whole, uh, what do you think that they do well that's going to challenge this Bears defense? And yes, Aaron Rodgers is the obvious. Uh, Eight touchdowns against this last year. He's coming off a season-high 344-yard game. Uh, I'd said it. I don't know how much more I want to get into it. But Nick, what 
worries you the most about this Packers offense outside of Aaron Rodgers? It's Devontae Adams. Like that is the <laughs> guy that when you even look at the targets on how this this Packers offense is operating right now, um, you have Devontae Adams with around 64 targets. And then the next closest guy, or 61 targets, my bad, 19 for Aaron Jones, their running back. So you see where this offense is going through. And Aaron, uh, Devontae Adams has the most production on targets in the seams. So in the middle of the field where this Bears defense has given up some plays consistently in each of their, their first five games. So we have one of the most prolific receivers in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And they like to exploit the one area of the Bears defense that has been the most inconsistent. That scares the heck out of me. And we saw even some plays that, you know, against Detroit where people were like, like it was Alec Ogletree and Deion Bush letting whoever the speed, the slot receiver for the Detroit Lions is getting back of them for a touchdown. So it's like, if they're going to be able to do that, you know Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to exploit that. But it's wherever he goes. No one's been able to stop him. In our Meet the Opponent episode yesterday, Gage was saying, like, hey, they've double-teamed Devontae Adams. They've isolated him. It doesn't matter where you put him. He finds ways to win his matchup. So it really it really doesn't matter. And we got to see what Sean Desai is planning on doing. And, you know, I think maybe this is the game where we saw bits and pieces of Jalen Johnson shadowing. Odell Beckham Jr. at times during that Browns game, does that come out to full, you know, full force in this game? Because if you want your best, best defender in terms of DBs on their best guy, I'm I'm good with Jalen Johnson going head to head with him. Because if you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose with your best player, like that's the way to go. Because if he's going up against Kendall Vilder, that's a mismatch. If he's on Duke Shelley, good luck. I want Jalen Johnson to be that guy, but Really, it's still a tough task, even if he is going to be shadowing him throughout a game. We don't know if that's actually going to play out on Sunday. Yeah, you mentioned all the targets uh, that Adams has seen so far this year. He has 45 targets in his last three games. I think that's more than almost passing attempts uh, that Justin Fields has had in that same span. <laughs> it's close. Uh, I don't want to do the math, but it's pretty darn close uh, at that, too. And uh, I think he's had three uh, three games in the last four that he stopped 100 yards or more. Uh, the good news is the Bears did do a decent job limiting him last year, but that was with Kyle Fuller, so it's a whole different defense. Uh, I know Jalen Johnson's playing at a real high level right now, and I'm looking forward to, as Nick, you phrased it earlier, it's kind of like a reality check or at least a benchmark test here for, in this case, Jalen Johnson, if they do shadow him, as you mentioned. Uh, outside of Aaron Rodgers, outside of Devontae Adams, which I think takes about 44% of this offense away, or at least the passing offense away, uh, for Adams' sake at least. Mason, what else does this Packers offense do well that uh, gives you some concern heading into the week? Well, like you said, right, Devontae Adams accounts for, I think it's 45.2% of, of the team's air yards, right? So it's just like basically a percentage of how much the team's deep yards that player counts for. So he he's going to eat. He's going to get what he gets. I think the bigger thing you have to be concerned with is really what's going to happen in that run game. And, you know, Gage talked about that even Aaron Jones in the passing game, technically it's it goes down as a pass, but it's more of a run with how short close passing is. Last week, Aaron Jones was the second most efficient runner, right? Very north and south at 2.72 efficiency on 183 yards. I mean, that's fantastic. When you want to spell Jones or when maybe if Jones isn't doing that great, you have A.J. Dillon who steps in right away and can do pretty much the same thing. You know, a little bit of a different runner, more of a bruiser, of course, but he can still get the yards he needs to get. So if you're going to let Devontae do his thing, 
right? You cannot let Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon do their thing because you cannot stop both of phases of that game. So if that run game is going, if it's like how the Brown, how the Browns were, you know, they had like 33 yards in the first quarter, 54 yards in the second, and went up to 101 yards in the fourth allowed in that Browns game, it's going to be a long day for the Bears. You need to have it be more like the Raiders game, right, where it was 31 yards, 5 yards, 23 in the fourth quarter. Otherwise, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, and it'll be up to Sean Desai to really kind of figure out, well, all of this. Uh, let's be honest, everything that we've already discussed so far. But that one-two punch, uh, like you, Mason, uh, does worry me, can wear down a defense. Uh, you mentioned different style runners, but very similar results so far this season, uh, at least in terms of yards per carry. They both average the same exact 4.4 yards per touch uh, on the ground. So they're definitely some uh, a duo to pay attention to. Uh, and then mine that I wanted to add here is third downs. This Bears defense has struggled uh, this season getting off the field on third down. Did better a week ago, but still in the season, they're ranked 23rd. Uh, going back to last year, the Bears allowed Green Bay to convert on 50% or better in both of those matchups a year ago. Uh, last game, the Packers only saw seven third downs total uh, to show how well they are able to avoid it altogether. Um, but so far this season, this Packers offense has done everything you expected to run third down. Seventh best unit uh, in the league over the last three weeks, averaging about 50% for a conversion percentage. And, you know, whenever you can put it in number 12's hands he's, and he has time, he's going to find a throw. He's going to make it. Uh, and that's the thing that we're going to have to find ways to avoid. And I have more ways that that's going to worry me and bother me and concern me uh, as we go throughout this conversation. The only other small thing I wanted to add, what they do well, which surprised me, is tight end screen. Uh, I've seen a few different games where they're able to use that uh, as well and get the decent chunks off of that. So that's just another wrinkle uh, to their offense. I, I know we've seen it a little bit in Chicago, and it doesn't really pan out, but they block it well, and it usually leads to a big gain. So keep your eyes out for that too. Now, let's look at this Bears defense who's coming off a hell of a week. Uh, they played with effort and, just like the offense, some physicality. Sean Desai seems to really be coming to his own as the defensive coordinator and play caller, really putting his guys in a position to succeed. Last week, the Bears gave up the third least amount of yards and the fewest points of the entire week, uh, only nine points allowed. So after such a strong performance, it's really hard to complain. Uh, but what are some positives that were on display that you kind of hope, just like with the offense, and we talk about what we want to see carry over, same thing here for the defense. What went well that you want to see transfer this week or must transfer this week for success? So let's go to Mason first. Two biggest things for me are, A, how well they were able to stop the run and force Derek Carr to throw, which, I mean, I don't know that you want Aaron Rodgers to have to throw, but if you're gonna, you have to stop one phase of the game at least. You really do. So if you're going to stop something, stop that run game. The other thing they did was create pressure. Right, Derek Carr was on his back heel a lot. A lot of the balls were errant. And yes, the Raiders did drop a lot of passes. That's 100% true. The, the timing, you could tell, was not necessarily there either. You, know, you have to give credit to the defense where it's due. You know, the ball, there was that one to uh, Darren Waller in the corner of the end zone against Kendall Vildor. I mean, could he make that catch a lot of times? Sure. But when you looked at it, Vildor played good enough defense and the pass rush put enough pressure on where it was over Waller's head. That was fantastic. So can you continue that this week? Can you continue generating pressure so that Aaron Rodgers has to get the ball out fast so that it's, you know, three, four-yard pass games instead of the ones we tend to see from him, right, where he gets the big chunks? And that was something that Gage talked about, and I think a lot of the Packers beat writers talk about, is Aaron Rodgers sometimes holds the ball a little too long looking for the next best throw, right? He doesn't take the one that's obvious right there because it's Aaron Rodgers. He feels like, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to do. 
So can, can you make him wait and go for that deep ball, that, that big attack downfield, where he kind of gives that angry look to his receiver because it's like, why didn't you make this play for me? And it's like, well, why didn't you throw it into the flat where it was wide open, Aaron? Can, can you force that thought process? Very well said. Nick, how about you? What are some of those uh, carryovers that you'd like to see? I think it's just everybody really stepping up. We, You guys talked about it a lot in the postgame show where guys that were ne- not necessarily starters, but they played their role in that Raiders game. You looked at DeAndre Houston Carson and his interception, and you look at even like a Deion Bush filling in at times. You look at Travis Gibson getting a sack. So guys coming in and out of the lineup because it's really going to take everybody on that Bears defense to try and stop this Packers offense and ultimately number 12. So when I when whether it's a Robert Quinn or a Cleo Mack gets a breather, and Travis Gibson's going to get a lot more opportunities, guys, because Jeremiah Tachu tore his peck. He's out for the season. We're going to be seeing number 99 out there. He talked in his press conference today about when he gets out there, he's energized because he knows he doesn't get all those opportunities. But now he's going to start seeing them. And I don't know if you saw the quote, Will, but – I mean, I think Travis Gibson's just becoming a fan favorite because he talked about his explanation on his sack or celebration, and he said, I'm a big Marvel fan. I'm a fan of Thor, so I like to hold my hand up, get the hammer from the sky, hit it twice on the ground, and then get rid of it and go on to the next play. I'm like, Travis, you're a, like, I just, I was, I was in my, I was eating lunch. And I'm like, amazing. Love him. He's, he's like one of my top favorites now. So, Guys like that need to step up in this game because, like I said, everybody needs to be a part of why this – if the Bears want to get a victory, it's going to take everybody on defense and filling in those roles when starters come out for breathers. And it's going to be tough too because Aaron Rodgers has like that that knack for when people are substituting, getting you off the mark. So that's going to be a coaching – just make sure the coaching is right to know when the substitutions happen and making sure when those guys get into the game – that they can fulfill their assignments. And, of course, it, it goes without saying that the Stars need to do their jobs too, you guys. But it takes everybody to beat the Packers. It, it sure does. Uh, and I, I like everything you mentioned there. And I think if that is going to carry over, uh, one of my keys here, or at least what I want to see transfer, uh, would be Sean Desai's uh, creativity. Uh, this is the week where if he has anything still up his sleeve that he has not shown the league yet, now is the time to show it. Even though Aaron Rodgers has seen pretty much anything you can throw at him, what can Sean decide to do to you know, break a tendency? Can we make Aaron Rodgers guess, overthink, just for uh, a millisecond? I-, I know that's a tough task, but it's a, it's a task that Sean Desai has this week, and I'm hopeful uh, that he can find a way to get that done. Uh, in addition to that, if the pass rush carries over, uh, that's great, but you have to hit home. You can't just force him out of the pocket uh, because if you force him out of the pocket, he's going to make those downfield throws, those dagger-type moments uh, that we've seen all too well. And unfortunately, Mason, you hit it. We got real lucky with a few of those drops. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that, you know, that lightning is not going to strike twice, uh, two weeks in a row in that regard. So those were a couple. And then one that's more like a general carryover from the whole season. It's just that continued red zone prowess. Uh, six trips with no points allowed this season uh, is tied with first with Buffalo, the Bears defense. And overall, in the last three weeks, the Bears have only allowed touchdowns on 27%, uh, which is first. And the only defense allowing less than 33% in this same exact time span. So 
That needs to stay on its A game. The Packers have scored touchdowns on 88% of those red zone drives in the last two meetings a year ago. They only missed one touchdown on nine red zone trips last year. So if the Bears want to win this game, they can't do that. They can't allow this Packers offense to score touchdowns every time they get inside the 20. The Bears defense this year has done a great job of, you know, even though they bend a lot, they have not broke. This is not the week to break, although I know the challenge is there for us. So as we've already mentioned, this is a very dangerous offense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers always plays at his highest level when he's going up against the Bears. Uh, with an offense in the top 10 in most categories in the last month, you really can't say they have many weaknesses uh, right now, but every team has them. Uh, you just need to know where to look. And so I'm lucky I have two co-hosts here with me uh, to kind of diagnose a potential Achilles heel. Uh, and I'm not going to say what's in my notes uh, because maybe I have nothing to say. But I, I figured we couldn't find three weaknesses. So let's go down to two, maybe. Nick, do you have a weakness? Well, so you mentioned the Reds, how the Packers have been in the red zone against the Bears last season. Well, this year they've, they've taken a dip in terms of through five games. They're scoring touchdowns on just 55% of their red zone trips. And that's down from last season where they were scoring touchdowns on 76.8% of their red zone trips. So... We're going to see this Bears defense that's been stingy in that area of the field and this Packers offense for whatever reason. And, you know, Gage was kind of – I asked him that question, like, what is the reason there? And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's a multitude of things. But they they haven't really actually used, he said, Devontae Adams as much in terms of that – in that space of the field. I'm like, well, that's you keep doing that. Do that for the game in Chicago and the next time too. But so they've been down in that area. So – that that is a weakness for them right now, but look, it would be so fitting for them to just go four for four in the red zone at Soldier Field, right? So whatever it may be, but right now, let that problem stay a problem on Sunday, and then they can you know fix it in, until the the second meeting. But that's one area that I looked at, and then I also looked at I can't even pronounce. Look, guys, I'm going to be completely honest. I was trying to look up the guy's name, Josh Nijman, they're the left tackle, number seventy three. Works for me. Yes, uh, and I, I apologize for not knowing the pronunciation of his name, but just looking at him and a couple of the snaps that he had against the Cincinnati Bengals, it was speed. Speed beat him off. Beat you know was, he was beat off the edge by the speed of the opposing defender. We know a guy who's been playing really well, utilizing his speed in Robert Quinn and using his hands to kind of get inside at times too. There was a sequence where I'll just say number seventy-three. He gave up a sack, and then on the very next play, he had a false start. We saw a very similar sequence happen with Penny Sewell when he was going up against Robert Quinn in that Detroit Lions game. So you look at that, and I think the the Packers are still, um, you know, they still have some injuries along that offensive line, but we'll see who ends up playing on Sunday. But those are two, I guess, areas of this Packers offense that maybe the Bears can try to exploit. I like it. Uh, That's a really good diagnosis, Uh, Nick. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, Mason, how about you? Do you have any others? I'm going to go back and just re-highlight the one of the aspects I brought in earlier is can you just keep making Aaron Rodgers go for that home run ball and can you put pressure on him when he does? And that connects to what Nick said, right? They do some injuries on that line. They don't have the center from last year. Devontae Adams has such a heavy usage rate that if he is covered, if he tries to go do his, you know, in the slot and Roquan Smith can help pick him up, right? If he's going across the field and because who else do they have after that? They, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to use the tight end for some reason. My, one of my fantasy teams can tell you that because Tunyon doesn't do anything anymore. Uh, then you have Alan Lazard. Randall Cobb hasn't done too much between the 20s. He's definitely had a little bit of a resurgence in the red zone over the last like couple weeks. But 
once you get past that, it's, well, where do you go? And so if you can create third and eight, third and seven, and now Aaron's looking for that 20 yard play instead of looking for just the 10 to get the first, you can, you can really make, uh, put them in a bad spot. Man, it, it sucks that we're in a spot where you can say, you know, get the Packers to third and nine. And I'm like, yeah, even that, I'm not super confident. Uh, and it's just more historically than maybe this exact matchup coming up. Um, but still, uh, it just shows you uh, where this rivalry at least is at uh, currently. Uh, guys, if we had to put it all together, though, what does a game plan look like for Sean Desai? Uh, what are those keys to kind of limit uh, this Packers offense? Uh, Nick, I'll kind of let you kick things off. The one thing that the Bears cannot have happen and needs to be in this game plan is limiting defensive breakdowns. And guys, I feel like every single time the Bears play the Packers, regardless that Lambeau Field, Soldier Field, it can be wherever they play them, there is a breakdown somewhere. Or Dane Trevathan is guarding a wider or defending a wide receiver in the middle of the field like Marquez Valdez Scatling, and it becomes a 60-yard touchdown. Whatever it may be, it seems like that always happens right when the Bears you know, or maybe are in a position, maybe it's like you said, Will, a third and nine, or they're in an, an advantageous situation, boom, coverage breakdown. And we have seen some of those, and I feel like the Bears, you know, even last week against the Raiders, um, what was it, uh, the one wide, wide receiver dropped one of the, a would have been a 60-yard play, Edwards. But there were some breakdowns. They can't have that happen. You cannot give Aaron Rodgers layups. You give him layups, you're going to get blown out. And I feel like that has happened a lot of the times the Bears and Packers played. So that just needs to be in the game plan. No coverage breakdown. And you just write that in capital letters, big letters, so everybody can see. Because if that happens, a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's looking for that deeper play, like Mason was mentioning earlier, he will find it. He will throw the ball accurately, and the Packers will ultimately score. So if you have that, that's not going to bode well. But you need to have that in the game plan. No coverage breakdowns. And that's twofold. That's communication on the back end. Uh, mm-hmm. making sure everyone's on the same page. Uh, and then again, even if you pressure Rodgers, that's not enough. You have to hit home. You have to get him off his mark, either go, taking him down for a sack or forcing a throw uh, at the spot. You can't allow him to buy time. He's almost as good as anyone uh, who's ever done it, uh, not just getting out of the pocket, but dancing and maneuvering inside that pocket, making guys miss, and then coming down with the throw. Uh, and again, any bit of time that this Bears defensive front can't get to Rodgers and it's just an extra half second uh, that this defensive secondary has to cover. It's good. That's all Aaron Rodgers needs to find a window to find a throw. Uh, So there's a couple different facets to that, but I do agree. Uh, No coverage breakdowns uh, is definitely a huge key uh, this week. Nick Mason, how about you? What are some of your keys to success on defense? Week one was just weird, but when you look at what the Saints did and why I think they were able to limit the Packers the way they did besides just week one funkiness is they constantly played the too high safety look, right? Hey, take the stuff underneath, make a march down the field, make it take a while and see what happens there. Cause they don't necessarily have the talent at all of the positions to do that. Yes. Devonte's is ridiculous, but he cannot catch every single ball for the entire game. I mean, this week, maybe he'll now do that and make me look silly, but <laughs> for the most part, that doesn't happen. And historically, when you've looked at what's happened with the Bears and the Packers, yes, last year was rough with the Chuck Pagano defense. The Green Bay had put up 35 points and 41 points. But besides that, it's always been actually pretty close when you look. I mean, they scored, going back in order now, 21 points, 10 points, 17 points, 24. Those aren't necessarily gigantic numbers. It was enough to beat the Bears because of, let's be real, just a really rough offense. 
but that's totally doable. That's beatable. So if you can play that too high safety look, not get beat deep, like Nick was saying, have that breakdown in coverage, really make them march down the field and put pressure on, like you were saying, Will, and you can keep them to 24 points, you're in the game. It's just a matter of can the Bears score 24 points. I was going to say, like, we all know 20 is, like, the max. Uh, this Bears often seems to have an output for uh, right now. But you guys hit it. Uh, it's interesting that neither of us mentioned, like, let's stop the run, even though they're really good at it. Uh, and it's, again, like, making the Packers one-dimensional is different than any other offense I feel like we face every season, right? If you put the ball solely in Aaron Rodgers' hands and he has to throw it 50 times, it's almost like playing with fire. And so it's you don't want to say – let them run, but maybe make them think they can hand it off a few more times, but you stuff it. I don't know. It's, it sounded better in my head, but I think it's <laughs> interesting that neither of us said like stopping the run is key, uh, which, again, makes a lot of sense, but they're good at it. Uh, so that's just uh, an extra thought I wanted to share. But, guys, let's move on to the third phase here, and let's talk about some special teams. Is there anything – worth a talking point this week it's been kind of quiet in this regard i don't think we need to review you know uh, grand's debut as a punt returner kick returner that's what the post game show was for he did fine i, I still don't understand returning a punt at your own end zone and that's about it um, but anything else in this third phase that you guys want to mention at least this week specifically and nick has an idea I'm waving the finger. I wonder if Khalil Herbert's actually returning kicks this game. Or, well, I know we saw maybe – I think Jakeem Grant is going to be the guy because, obviously, if you're the feature back, I wouldn't I wouldn't even risk it because if no. he goes down, it is a Ryan Null show, you guys. I know there are some people that are actually wanting that to happen, like legit. But, like, I think that because of the circumstances for this game, I, you, you, should, you should see Jakeem Grant – as a punt returner and kick returner. And he actually had some, you know, he was out there on offense. Like, like I know we talked about they should use more motion on offense. I think I saw him in motion like once. That was probably it. And they, they fulfilled their duty for that game with the motions. But I would expect Jakeem Grant to be the kick returner and punt returner for this game. Uh, I do see a good comment from Bacon uh, in the chat. Bacon, nice to see you in there, man, uh, about the no Caleb Johnson. Uh, he has been a special teams ace. Uh, we've mentioned his injury on the postgame show, uh, but that is one to see how it carries over. He's been a stud, especially in kickoff coverages right now, always the first guy of the football. Uh, so how does that affect some of the, the coverages here? Uh, you know, Because the Bears are going to kick off at least 10 times uh, in this game. So uh, we got to see uh, how that holds up. But uh, Mason, how about you? Anything else in this third phase worth hitting on? Yeah, I, I don't see, first of all, any time really going forward, even when Montgomery comes back, that Herbert's now going to be returning at all. I mean, Grant did well. I disagree with Will in terms of bringing the punt out from the end zone. I liked it. Uh, I know we <laughs> differ on that. Um, but there's just no reason that he's ever going to return kicks again. He's too, now he's proving too viable on offense. There's no reason. Um, but one person I did want to highlight was Xavier Crawford. I thought he did great on punt coverage um, last week against the Raiders. Uh, and that's something that shouldn't be minimized in a game like this, where field position is going to be huge. Uh, he was the first one down right in the gunner or sorry, the returner's face every single time. So look for him to hopefully continue that. All right, guys, really good stuff there. Let's move on into our week six uh, X factors here. Uh, offense and defense. Let's find out, you know, player, anything that you want. Mason, I go back to you. What's going to be an X factor for offense? Uh, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but how can Bears generate? And I use my air quotes for those on the podcast who are listening runs because I don't think you can just heavily, heavily just give it all to Herbert. I love him to death, but like he doesn't have the Derrick Henry body type even to sustain the 
that many carries. We saw what can happen in Montgomery when you have to carry a load that heavy. Ryan Nall should hopefully never touch the ball. Artavius Pierce, maybe sparingly. So what are the other ways you can create runs, right? Whether that's with Justin Fields. Hopefully they have retired that dumb QB sweep that doesn't work the last couple of weeks. There are better ways you can get Justin in the open field if you want him there. Like if you want to truly have him run the ball. Uh, so how are that? How is that used? Again, we talked about motion and jet sweeps and can Grant be used out of the slot? Can Bird be used? Um, Mooney would be really dynamic if you just get got him the ball. I don't need to see the Wildcat ever again. If we could just stop doing that dumb thing. But how can you generate, again, those quote-unquote runs without having to necessarily hand off the ball? I like that a lot. It's a really good X factor. Uh, it's more specific than mine. Mine was just rushing the football. Uh, just because if we can't, and it's all on Justin, and it's all on Justin to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers right now at this stage, that's not plan A. That is not what we need this offense to be like. We all said it. We want this offense to be a physical, tone-setting unit, and that starts with running the football. And, again, if they can't do it here in this game – and it all full falls on Justin's shoulders, and he has to throw more than we want. Uh, not saying that he can't show out, but I just don't know if that's the recipe for success here this week. So that's why, in general, we need that extra phase of this offense. And there's a reason why. Uh, the Bears are leading the NFL in like, rush attempts over the last few weeks as well. So it's been a focal point. It needs to continue to be a focal point. If not, uh, I think that could be a huge X factor against us. So that's why it's mine this week. Nick, how about you? So uh, there's two of them that I'm thinking, but I think the X factor is when the Bears are on offense, they need to sustain drives. And uh, doing that in scoring, they ultimately need to score because I think this potentially could get nasty if it's the uh, if the Packers are scoring. And we've seen some three and outs even in that Raiders game from this Bears offense. So we can't. The Bears cannot have that. They have that consistently, or they have maybe two or three drives consistently where there's just no points being generated. You are just giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, and that can get that can get you out of the rushing game, and get you know, even if they play with that physicality along the offensive line, and you're not rushing the football, then you have to rely on Justin Fields. And like what you were just saying, Will, at this point in time, I don't know if that's the right move to tr- if you're trying to win this game. Yes, we have a lot of expectations for Fields, but you need to find a way to play complementary football on this offense, put up points, even if they're field goals. But you cannot go scoreless and go in droughts because if that happens, especially against the Packers, and I know we I, we mentioned like their red zone uh, dips in production this season. Still, they're way too good of a team, even at on the road, that they will put up points and put you in a drought and get you out of your the game plan that you would ideally like to be in. So, it really, I, I guess it's just scoring points. Score well, then, points. That's the X factor. And then get in the red zone. We already said that, right? If you get in the red zone, you automatically have. I was going to say six, but we have Santos kicking, so you automatically have seven. Uh, every time you reach inside the 20, uh, again, 13 trips the Packers have allowed into the red zone this season. Every single time the opponent has scored a touchdown, uh, so I like our odds. So, Nick, I'm going to say your X factor is just get inside the 20, uh, and then from there, magic will happen. Uh, let's go back to you, though, Nick. Uh, what's your X factor on defense? I said this earlier in the week, you guys. Like, I I put you in the tweet. I've said mm-hmm. the X factor in this game is defending Devontae Adams in the middle of the field. And against that, that Bengals, in that Bengals game, had 193 receiving yards, second most in a game in, in the middle of the field since 2016, Michael Thomas, who had 195 yards. So it's the whatever Sean Desai does in terms of protecting that area of the field, scheming up against Devontae Adams, if it is, you know, shadowing with Jalen Johnson, 
watch out because Aaron Rodgers likes to target Devontae Adams there. That's where he's been productive there, and that's where the Bears have given up plays. So the X factor, the Bears can limit that. Maybe it's only 100 yards and not 193. You, you, it's, it's improvement from what the Packers and Devontae Adams did last week. Okay, I would love if we can keep him down to the numbers we did a year ago. Uh, and Jalen Johnson's proven maybe uh, that could be the case. And at least Sean Desai has seen, you know, this unit a lot, this duo uh, a decent amount. And so I'm hopeful there's a trick up his sleeve, uh, which leads me to, you know, my X factor real quick. And, and that's just generally Sean Desai's chess match versus Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't really need to get into many details on it, but just rather, and I already kind of hit on it, can you keep Rodgers guessing? Show him something he's never seen from this Bears uh, defense and just disguise creativity uh, to find creative ways to either you know get pressure or disguise some coverages. Uh, so that's my X factor on this side of the ball. Mason, how about yourself? I'm surprised you guys didn't mention this at all. Literally, there's someone that was hired this year, I think, for these two games in Mike Pettin. Like, he's on the defensive staff. True. I'm pretty sure a large chunk of this is literally be like, hey, we need someone to help us stop Aaron Rodgers finally. <laughs> like, can you help us? And in terms of disguising coverage, like you said, well, generating pressure. When you compare, right, this year's defense to last year's defense in the last, over the first five games, the pressures are actually the same at 39. QB hits are the same at 30. But as we know, the Bears are leading the league in sacks right now at 18 compared to only 11 in 2020. And when you look at that turnover differential, it's three this year compared to negative one last year. So the thought would be, hey, Mike, this is literally why we hired you. Yeah, you know, you should know Aaron at least relatively well. You know, what can we do to, you know, get pressure on him to potentially stop Devontae? What is Michael LaFleur going to do on offense to try to get Devontae open? What is that magic that they have? Can you give us some thought process here? Sneaky. I, I love that one, dude. Uh, tremendous stuff there. So we game planned on both sides of the ball. We looked at some X factors. So now it's time to find out who has the edge. And Nick, you're up first. So you'll have this Bears rushing attack, uh, which we don't know the status of Williams entering this week. Uh, as But we know we have Herbert uh, versus this Packers run defense. Uh, who has the edge this week? That's a tough one. Um, I, I liked what I saw from Khalil Herbert. I know if you gave this to Mason, it'd be the Bears' rushing attack. But, again, we need to see how he can handle that role and see what the Bears – like, ultimately, like I said, this game plan could be out of out of reach where maybe the score – you abandon the run. So I'll give it to the Packers on this one. They will, I think, take away this – They they there's a good opportunity that they take away this rushing attack earlier than the Bears want to and – you know, I know Bill Lazor is committed to the run, but if the score gets out of hand, there's just a time and place where you have to stop and kind of go to the passing game. So I'll give it to the Packers on this one. Sounds great. Packers, well, not great, um, but sounds great that <laughs> yeah. you answered the question. Uh, I caught myself. Mason, uh, how about you? Uh, who has the edge between the Bears passing attack and this uh, Packers secondary pass rush or whole pass defense? I mean, this is going to sound nuts and like a homer, but... I'm going to give it to the Bears on this one just because I don't like how decimated that Packers secondary is. I don't like how injured the pass rush is. You know, we saw Joe Burrow, who is not the most mobile, but, they have, you know, being able to actually move and, like, move the ball on this team as you have a Jamar Chase, which really helps you out there. But I have a lot of confidence in a Darnell Mooney. You know, I have some I have confidence in, in Jesper Horst that he's going to play. He's going to play well. <laughs> I want him in there. Um it, it's crazy to say that, I know, but, like, they just 
they just don't look great in that secondary. And it's it's a game of inches. It's a game of uh, of you know millimeters. Even if that, I think that they're going to be able to take advantage with some deep shots and surprise people. Now you mean you don't like the lack of pass rush and the injuries for the secondary as a perspective of like a Packers fan or a Packer, the Packers in general, right? Correct. If I was putting myself in the Packers fan's shoes, I'd be standing there like, this is concerning. That again, I, I listed how many points they give up. I mean, to the Saints who are falling apart now. I mean, you let Jameis Winston throw all over you. You gave up 17 points to the Lions. You gave up 22 and almost lost to the Bengals, who the Bears, again, arguably were better than when they were here at Soldier Field. I, that would be concerning for me. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure because like I don't like it. I'm like I'm I'm in favor of it this week. It's something that I'm happy about. So I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Um, but right back to you. Uh, this Bears run defense uh, versus that dual back threat that the Packers bring to town. Man, so the only comparison I really can do is that Browns game, and because it's similar, right? Two really talented backs who you can mm-hmm. just hand the ball to, and not just that, but pass and pass to. Uh, and we saw that by the third, fourth quarter, it really did start to break down. Um, yes, that was just because the offense couldn't do anything that day, and I expect it to be better here. But in this scenario, until it's proven differently, I, I do believe that the, the Packers are going to run rush run the ball enough that it's, it's going to be a problem for the Bears. Okay. And Nick, how about you to wrap things up here? Uh, this Bears pass defense versus... Aaron Rodgers and the Packers passing attack. I don't even have to finish my sentence. <laughs> Come on now. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's the Bears pass. It, I, you know, you could put Kyle Fuller in there right now. And it, the Packers and Devontae Adams, they are really just playing some really good football. And I know the Bears have been better. And that if that pass rush comes to play, then this, this is a whole different story, you guys. But I have to give it to the Packers. I have not seen it consistently enough against Aaron Rodgers. And it doesn't matter if it's Alan Lazard or, you know, now they got Randall Cobb back, you guys. So, you know, he's going to make a play at some point against the Bears and just, you know, bring back old memories. So I have to give it to the, to the Packers and their passing attack, Will. Okay. Uh, so that, that was heavily favored to the Packers uh, in that one, which may be uh, a spoiler for somehow these picks will go. Um, but before we move on to predictions and all that good stuff, I want to take a step backward in this episode because we need to give out some – Backbreaking matchups. See, last week I forgot to do MVPs, so I'm not forgetting a segment here this week. I already had that was almost strike three, by the way, uh, but I had two of those names wrong last week. Nick, I gave you the screenshot of my notes for my MVP choices. I had Khalil Mack and Khalil Herbert, and I never got to see him on the show. And boy, that would have been on point for two picks that we were indecisive about on the post game. Couldn't have done any better, but no one ever know. I mean, you know, but who's going to believe me? It's a week later. Yeah, well, I saw you typing something. Like, mm-hmm. as you were sending that, like, you saw it typing, and I don't know, man. No, no, I did see the screenshot. It was there, and kudos to having it. It just, <laughs> we just forgot. Yeah, it's just my luck uh, to forget about it. But let's get into these backbreaker matchups. Mason, you have offense this week. Uh, what's a matchup that can break the offense's back? For me, it's going to be Eric Stokes versus specifically, I called out Darnell Mooney in this instance because so far Allen Robinson just hasn't been as much a factor as we want. So if Darnell Mooney is a problem, why, why are you giving me a look? Nothing. Go. I was, just, I was <laughs> listening. I, just, I, just, I was surprised by it, man. I was very surprised okay. by it. Okay, because Eric Stokes seems like he's the real deal right now. He's third in the NFL with seven pass breakups and is only allowing 57.1 passer rating when being targeted. He's doing surprisingly well. 
So we know what the other matchups are. We know, you know, what Smith can do, what Preston Smith can do off the edge. So if Eric Stokes steps up big and can guard a Darnell Mooney, that is a back-breaking matchup. Okay, it's fair. I th- I swore you're going to go with Devon, uh, Devondre Campbell. Like That dude's been playing out of his mind uh, right now for this defense. Leaves the team with 16 run stops, uh, only allowing a pass rating of like 50.8 when targeted. Like He's scary uh, in the middle of that defense. But Justin Fields' best friend is Darnell Mooney. So whoever's covering him, if he's playing well, could be a backbreaking matchup. So I get it. I was just a little surprised because usually we're pretty in sync on, on some of these. So that was it. Uh, just I, so I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, Mason. Uh, as soon as you went the other way, I was like, hey, where were we going with this one? <laughs> it was just funny because like your eyes look like they're about to like pop out of your head for a second. <laughs> I was I, again uh, totally uh, taken back by that one. But Nick. I don't think you even need to probably say this one all too and get into too much detail. I think you already hit on it once. Uh, do you want to make it official? Yeah, it's definitely going to be who's a Packer that I can't really even think of. No, it's going to be Devontae Adams versus Jalen Johnson. It really is. This is the back break because if they can consistently take advantage of that matchup, your best corner, you're done. <laughs> you're, there's no one else you can put on him to, to mitigate the damage. So, and look, I've talked enough about Devontae Adams. And, you know, just what he can do and what the Bears can possibly do to mitigate what he can potentially produce on the field. So that's it. That's a backbreaking matchup. Adams versus Johnson. All right. And Cobb versus Shelley may be another scary one just because it doesn't take anything. It takes one play, and that's all he'll have to make. But uh, let's not even <laughs> get into it. You already rebroke my heart by mentioning it once in this episode. We're not going to do it again. Uh, so let's get back to our predictions now so let's go ahead and get into those and let's play some over under and so for over under this week i want to begin with total points scored in the game i think this is a really fun one uh, that we've been doing every week uh so these are set by our sports book sponsor bet us uh, again you can get a 125 percent sign up bonus by using our code chicago 125 over on betus.com uh, but guys the over under this week is set at 44 total points scored are you gonna take the over or under nick i'm going under for this one mason was saying it's been close and i'm gonna go under the 44 points mason over specifically because my score that i have uh, picked right now dictates that i say over i still think it will be close and i don't think it's going to be the the packers running away with it by scoring 41 like they did last year um but it's going to be fairly over all right uh, i'm taking the under uh, myself just historically if this bears team is going to have a chance to win like this game's going to be a low scoring game uh historically in terms of this matchup and historically just looking at this bears offense like they're if it's a shootout we're in trouble uh so i'm going to take the under this week as well uh the next over under 259.5 passing yards for aaron Rodgers. mason over i mean it's aaron Rodgers, and uh we know that the open the bear secondary has a little bit of an opening in, in the middle as, as we've seen so He's just, he's a bad man, and I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Nick, do you agree? Yeah, I'm going over as well. Aaron Rodgers, he he plays well. He plays really well in these games, 21-5, and including the NFC Championship against the Bears. And, yeah, I think uh, he just, he'll have over that 250 mark. Okay. Uh, Next over-under, I have to skip that one now. It was total yards for Damian Williams, but that was, you know, (laughs) 
prior uh, to the news, so we'll skip it. Uh, the next one I'll have on this list is 1.5 passing touchdowns from Justin Fields. Uh, again, only one career passing touchdown so far, but they do have the line at 1.5 in this game. Uh, let's go to Nick first. Would you take the over-under this week? Passing touchdowns, man. Um, this might be an opportunity with no Damian Williams to, to u- utilize Justin Fields' legs. I know he took some shots in that Raiders game, but I can definitely see that being – uh, just utilizing this game plan. So I'll actually go under the 1.5 passing touchdowns. Mason? Over. Uh, I just, I really do feel that Justin's built different. If you watched his, the press conference he had where some of the Bears beat reporters were joking about how this is, you know, Michigan versus Ohio State and how I believe it was Adam Hogue said, well, we're the Michigan. And he just death stared out there like, say that again, I dare you. And I, I just think he's going to elevate his game. I, I, that he's just going to be playing at a different level, and we saw that last week. I mean, how many players take the abuse he did last week, get out there and play the way he did right after that throw to Horstead on the ground? Like, come on, give it to me, you know, hands hand wiggle there. I just think he's going to. He's again, he is built different. All right, and this last one's just for Nick. Uh, over under seven point five receptions allowed to Devontae Adams. <laughs> We're going over. Okay, simple (laughs) enough. All right, gentlemen, let's get into uh, our week six bold predictions. Uh, Let's go to Mason first, because I know he has two. Always have two, just because it's more fun. So you can probably guess where I'm going with this, but on offense, Khalil Herbert ends the day and top the top five of rushing yards. Like for the week. Sure, we'll say week. I was going to give myself wiggle room just in case the Monday night game, one of those two running backs went over, but it's fine. No, that counts. Like, that's still week six. Yeah, that's why I said at the end of the day, because that would have given me, like, the Monday game wouldn't have counted, but we'll throw that at fine. End of the week. Um, Defense, and this is just silly, but Green Bay does not score a rushing touchdown. All right. I like that one. That could even maybe fell under the not so bold prediction with how this Bears red zone defense is played. But I like that you're keeping it in the bold category. Uh, makes me wonder what's next for the other prediction. Um, but Nick, how about you? What's your bold prediction this week? So it has to do with Travis Gibson. He's going to have more opportunities this game. I think he gets a career high in sacks with three, and you'll see him bring down Milnor, the hammer, Thor's hammer, three times throughout this game and just fling that thing but three sacks for Travis Gibson on Aaron Rodgers. Love it. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun to see. Mine, I'm probably going to just say it and run away because uh, it's outlandishly bold. Uh, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, but Allen Robinson finished the game with more catches, yards, and scores than Devontae Adams. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, go away. Run away. <laughs> run. <laughs> Gotta go. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, he, we, he we make it. a bolt. We make a bold prediction segment for a reason, and and I adhere to it. So we can use this as a segue to get into our not-so-bold prediction, a more realistic one. And I'm going to say that the Bears' pass rush stays hot, and we'll have three more sacks uh, by the end of this game. So I think getting Aaron Rodgers down three times is realistic. He's averaging getting sacked about two times per game. The Bears' defense has been hitting home consistently every single week. Uh, so that's going to be my not-so-bold prediction. Uh, and I don't care who gets them. Uh, just three times Aaron Rodgers goes kaput. Nick, how about you? 
not so bold prediction. We see some long touchdown from one of these Packers wide receivers. Come on, you guys. Like, this is the Bears Packers games. We're going to see one of those plays happen. So, and you know what? I'm throwing Randall Cobb's name out there because he, he actually made a couple of big plays against the Bengals just last week. So, uh, at one point, Randall Cobb's going to have a huge play on offense to extend a drive for, for this Packers team and, you know, lead them to eventually score. Well, when my 5 a.m. alarm goes off, I'm just going to hit snooze at least one time because of that prediction. <laughs> yeah, well, it works. <laughs> <laughs> Mason, how about you? So it's funny. I actually had the same exact defensive prediction. I had Bears second Rodgers three times, so got to come up with a slightly different one here. Okay, the Packers will be leading the game for 80%, at least 80% of the game. Okay, hit snooze twice. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, and no, my, my offensive one, Justin Fields will throw the ball 25 times this game. He threw 20 times against the Browns, 17 against the Lions, 20 against the Raiders. I just, we, Bill Lazor talked about how he wanted to throw the ball more in that Raiders game. Right now, this Damian Williams news comes out. And this just seems like a game, again, that Justin's going to find a different kind of groove. He's going to take it to a next level, built different, all that stuff. So just give him five more throws. All right, gentlemen. Who's going to be the MVB? Let's not forget about it this week. Nick, uh, kick things off. I've been sticking with defensive players for for making things happen. I'm going to go with Khalil Mack being the MVB of this game. Leads the team with five sacks. Just seems like a different player. And I think it helps that you have Sean Desai as a defensive coordinator. Just scheming things up for him to make things happen. So I'm going to give it to Khalil Mack as the MVB against the Packers. Right on. Uh, You mentioned mine. Sean Desai, he's going to be the MVP when it's all said and done. We're going to see a huge collective uh, effort on defense. All three phases are going to show up, and they're all going to make their impact felt. Uh, a lot like we saw a week ago, and it's all going to be uh, thanks to Sean Desai. Uh, not to discredit the players on the field, but for buying into the system, scheming these guys up for success, and just keeping them playing at that high level. So Sean Desai, uh, who, you know, as I mentioned, has a lot of experience going up against Aaron Rodgers in a little bit of different, you know, capacities. I expect him to show some new things this week, and uh, let's keep that engine red hot. So Desai will be the MVP when it's all said and done. So Mason, explain why Khalil Herbert will do it yet again. <laughs> I actually didn't play Khalil Herbert. I was super, super close. I just didn't do it. Um, I actually have something out of left field here. I have Eddie Jackson is going to be the MVP of this game because I think, I don't know why, I just feel like he's going to all of a sudden step up. He's going to get at least one reception, make a couple of pass breakups, and we're going to be, if the pass rush can get after Aaron, right, and really force him to throw up a couple of balls that maybe he shouldn't necessarily throw up. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, but when he does, they tend to be some funky ones. All right. Guys, I'm excited to get to this next screen here, show our leaderboard for the week, and make some game picks. So let's see where we go. I I felt like this conversation has been, I don't know, a little bit of a teeter-totter. There's been moments where I thought you guys would pick the Bears. There's been definite moments where I thought Nick would pick the Packers, and we're (laughs) going to see how it all shakes out. So Mason, uh, since you're on the bottom of this little list, you go first. I really got to get to the top of this list. All right, so I have Bears winning 26 to 20. Ooh, we got one for the Bears. Oh, I need to do uh, There it is. A little graphic on the screen to designate that pick. You got to go next, Will. You got to do it. <laughs> Why? You got to go, you gotta go I'm next. On top. I make the rules. 
you you are just we have the same record i know i know you have the streak <laughs> win too oh, we decided here we go am i going is this happening? yeah you're going i'm not saying a word just pick the packers already we know you're gonna do it yeah, exactly just, no i have the, i have the bears literally right down there but i'm picking the packers because i know will's gonna pick the bears and this will put me a game up i'm going with the green bay packers 20 to 17 i literally had in my notes bears 20 to 17 i'm going green bay you can all hate me it's okay but i'm gonna be up on this list ah oh, man well doesn't it suck to suck because i pick no i you're right you know me all too well this is and i i kind of tip my you know my hand to you just a little bit before we went live because i said this is a week where it's hard for me to use my brain when it comes to the pick versus my heart uh, this is a rivalry week and i'm leading uh, with the heart i have a tattoo that says follow your heart and you'll never lose so we're gonna go on that this week so i have the bears winning a low scoring matchup 17 to 14 and i'm driving home happy guys my six hour drive home i feel like if i drive home the hours i say gets longer every time i say it <laughs> so next thing it was like a 20 hour drive home but no like the five hour drive that'll take uh, i'll be smiling all the way back all right guys uh what's gonna be uh, our confidence meters uh we all well two of us have the bears winning all three of us apparently were going to do it but nick's trying to play strategic uh here which is you know it's all fine and dandy but where's that confidence meter at and let's go to uh nick first so the confidence that the packers will win that's how i'm looking at this i'm going with look i'll put it at a seven you guys i mean this is still as of as of today it's been all packers and i know there's a, a new quarterback chain there's a new quarterback in town for the bears but this may not be the game yet where he's quite ready. And there's a lot that could be put on him if this game does get out of hand. Even though I predicted a low-scoring 20-17 to 17 game, it realistically can get out of hand. We've seen these games happen before, but I think, you know, as of late, they've actually been closer than um, maybe one would anticipate. But I, I'm going with the Packers with that seven just because it's just really who they are. <laughs> if it was any other team, it's like you, you could put the confidence meter a little more towards the middle, but... Or, or higher if you're picking the Bears. But I'm going with the seven with the Packers because it's, it's the Green Bay Packers, you guys. They're coming to Soldier Field. We've seen this story happen every single time. Eventually, you know, I know history repeats itself, uh, but we need to start making new history so that can repeat itself. And maybe it's the week here. Uh, I'm sitting at about a five. Uh, and again, I only picked the Bears winning by three. Uh, so I'm not over the moon or, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very much on the fence uh, here uh, as well. It's... You know, the Bears match up well in some categories, but they also have some matchups that go against them uh, that concern me. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, I only have to say the name, but Adams and Cobb, and we got so lucky with some of those drops last week. And I, I know it's easy to forget about those on a post game show when you're like, hey, we just won, let's talk about it. But then as you sit there through the week and you project forward and you look at the matchup here in front of us, like, if we have the same kind of busted coverages, we're in trouble. Like that's going to spell doom uh, for this team. But uh, I like the progress that the Bears are making. This is a huge measuring stick. Uh, this is one where maybe Matt Nagy, the head coach, can have a big impact. We haven't really talked about that in this postgame show, but him being able to be a part of all three phases, being more engaged in the sideline, keeping this team motivated, amped up, ready to go, that can have a big impact instead of in previous matchups when he is uh, in his call sheet. And we all know the Bears' offenses with Nagy calling plays had struggled against the Bears so let's see what Bill Lazor can dial up to uh, to kind of get things moving so again right there at a five right in the middle of this confidence meter but it's going to be a close game regardless but I'm just hopeful that the Bears can be on the right side of it Mason how about you that's funny I have a five too 
it's just it's just right in the middle. I, I gave you the numbers in terms of what those games were historically. You know, if you take last year out of it because you don't rush Aaron Rodgers with three pass rushers, Chuck Pagano, and that's why you don't have a job. But anywho, moving on. Um, on the negative side of it, it's you just it, – it, it's Aaron Rodgers, and that, that makes you feel bad. But then if you just look at also the Bears, and let's, I'm going to go all the way back to 2018 because that's – more the feel I have on this team, you know, this isn't a 29, you know, 2019 team to me, at least um, that 2018 team, when you play the dolphins, it was close and you couldn't pull it out. You had the giants. It was close. You couldn't pull it out. And that, it just makes you wonder, like, do you know how to win as a coaching staff? Cause a lot of the players are different, but as a coaching staff, do you know how to win? Now on the other side of it, you got a quarterback that does know how to win. You had a quarterback that can, that knows how to pull out those victories. You know, you have a quarterback that can fight through adversity. Yes, he's a rookie, but there's just something when you have that air of confidence that I think can permeate the rest of the team. And then when you're going, they match up well, well, like you said, they're, the secondary is beat up. Their pass rush is not phenomenal. Their linebacker core is okay. So if you're going to have your biggest question mark for the Bears is what your offense going to do, let's go against a team that is also questionable on defense. Like, how are you going to defend them? Right, and then if you're going to have a strength against strength, Bears defense versus Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, I that's a better matchup that makes you feel slightly more confident. But it is really a coin flip right now for me. I could have easily said Packers just to try to kind of maybe move up the standings. Like if I was going to put a amount of money that really hurt myself on who was going to win this game, it probably still would have been the Bears. Let's be real. My bet U.S. bet would not have been the Bears. But it's hard to go against your heart in a game like this, like you said. Yeah, no, it really is. What's up, Nick? All right, Adam Schefter just tweeted out Bears running back Damian Williams, who was placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list today, did test positive per source. He ain't playing. It is not. Well, I think we assume that, but that's a, what, that's a two-week, or I forget what the timetable is now when you do test positive for COVID, but yeah. It so is that's, different uh, if you're vaccinated versus unvaccinated too, which we don't okay. know. Yeah, that's a, that's true. Let's see. He was in the press conference. He I don't know. He didn't have a mask on at in, at the Raider when he talked to the media. I don't know what what that means or how they go about that, but did test positive. So now we know the actual stats from Damian Williams. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still say there's a chance it's a false positive, and he can produce more negative tests before now and kickoff. That's possible. And again, it's we're recording this. It's eight oh one Chicago time uh, at the time of this recording. So so many things can change if you're listening to this on a Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. So uh, just take the timing of this conversation uh, for, for some perspective too. Um, but Mason, uh, you know, you and I were in alignment here. See, no bug eyes uh, when it came to that. A little uh, bit of conversation we want to throw down. What's the magic eight ball say, Nick? What should I ask the magic eight ball? What's what's the question? Will the Bears win <laughs> or like? What, what what's the question here are you gonna regret your pick oh yeah will i regret my pick and we got better not tell you now mm. oh I like history. all right kind of I a cop out we magic eight ball <laughs> we'll yeah, have a talk after right. the show Mm-mm. needed him and he, he failed <laughs> it's all right any final thoughts uh nick before we wrap things up I hope I'm wrong. I really, really I do. I would love for you to drive home with the Bears victory. I would love to walk out of Soldier Field after a hard day's work, knowing that the Bears had won, right? Having a post-game show. We since Matt Nagy's taken over, you guys, one time. One and five against against the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers is twenty one and five. So it would be great to see the Bears really show that that momentum they took from the Las Vegas is carried over because that did seem like the locker room is right next to the where the media was at, you guys. 
it was rocking. Like they talked about that in the pressers, but it was rocking. And I do think that is genuine and it could carry over. And I really hope it does. You know, if you want to throw stats and records out there, I know like Rogers has such an ungodly record against us, but we're undefeated in the uniforms that we're wearing. Very true. Go. See, another reason uh, to prove that you may have made a mistake. And I hope you did. I know you hope you did as well. Uh, Mason, any final thoughts before I wrap things up? I, we, we have this thing currently going where we look at Aaron Rodgers and like shake our boots a little bit just because we're so scarred. But I think when you do look at how this Packers team is currently constructed, it is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. The rest of it is pedestrian. And we see, and I think we saw that with who they've played and what the scores have been. I mean, they haven't really beat anyone that you're like, that, that was a win, right? Good job, Packers. And I mean, you could say, say the same thing about the Bears. I mean, they have that Raiders win, which was which is nice, of course. But do the Packers have a Raiders win on that schedule? They really don't. So that's why I think you can go into this if you just, you know, put a, a hood on and you don't see Aaron Rodgers' face and you just look at the stats and you just look at it for what it is. You can go into it with a little more confidence than I think a lot of Bears fans and media and et cetera can, should really be having. Yeah, no, that's really well said. I, I think it goes back to really some of the things we talked about on the top of the show for me uh, to end this episode. It's physicality. Like the Packers coming to town, the Bears playing the Packers, it always has like this sense of like, you know, we're the little brother in this relationship right now. We just get picked on and bullied consistently. But if the Bears play like they did last week, which they weren't taking anybody's crap and they're going to smash you, they're going to put you into the turf. If we play that way, that's their best bet to turn this game into the outcome that we're all hoping for uh, come Sunday afternoon with the Bears victory, the Bears atop of the NFC North, and us showing that we can hang around and Justin Fields Sean Desai, this new, you know, this new defensive identity, this new offense identity with Bill Lazor too. It's all for the better. It's for the better good, and we're going to be a, a good team for it this season. That's what a win this week can do for the Bears. But that's going to do it for this episode, Bears fans. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the show, uh, whether it's here on the live stream, watching a replay, or if you're one of the thousands of listeners of the podcast around the globe, just know we really do appreciate each and every one of you. The next time you'll hear from us will be after the game uh, for our post-game show from Soldier Field. Fingers crossed security doesn't come after us this time, guys. Uh, I'm real hopeful that we can squeeze in a post-game show somewhere at the stadium. Um, but regardless, uh, we'll get you our insight as soon. Uh, as we possibly can after uh, the game. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of Packers week. And I'm hopeful uh, that the next time you hear from all three of us, it'll be a joyous occasion uh, with the Bears moving into 4-2 and and moving into first place of the NFC North. But until next time, Bear Down, Chicago. Bear down.